Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is another edition of Revolutionary Voodoo, New Orleans Voodoo, Secrets and Recipes. All of you win, indeed, a blessing. If you can just see the unveil, come on in, come on in, Blog Talk Radio. Come on in, call me now on my Blog Talk Radio phone line at 515 And of course, you can call in at Twitter, come on in, Facebook, Instagram, Earth, my Earth page, come on in, my website, Come back home to Africa. Africa. Come back home 
in that big silicone jelly bubble in your head that we call a brain. And so certainly it is how I make sense of all that we are challenged with here in our daily existence on Mother Earth. It's my personal place of power. It's my understanding. It is the place from where I personally begin and end all my endeavors. It is how and from where I crystallize my reality, understanding that I create and co-create my divine destiny, and I create and co-create my divine all-blessed reality. And so it is, I say, understanding that the black woman is God, the black woman is God. Hello, can y'all hear me? Did I I lose y'all doing the momentary interruption? Okay. The black woman is God. (laughs) The black woman is God. The black woman is God. Therefore, indeed, we are born God, just as we are born human. We're not born mature. We're not born with all of our, you know, best faculties, if you will, ready to go. There's an incubation period, and then there's a period of development, of growth of maturity into our becoming our full human selves as young people and, and then as adults. So therefore, we are born God just as we are born human. But we are God, spirit, having to now adapt to this plastic, you know, physical universe that we co-share and coexist within. And we indeed create and recreate our reality with our mouths. We create and recreate our reality with what we think and speak to ourselves each and every day. Because, see, I can say anything to you. It, it has to match up with what's going on in my own head. It has to match up what's going on in my own life. You, you can say and speak anything to me, but it's got to match up to your demonstration. It's got to ultimately match up to who and what you be at at any given moment in time space. And surely in those moments of challenge is where our best selves and our most authentic selves come forward. I am, I am, I am blessed. I am happy. I am healthy. I am wealthy. I am in love. (laughs) I am because my creators are. I am because God is. I am because the ancestors are. Follow me, please. Repeat. Write it down. Reverberate it. Reiterate it. Repeat it as often as you might need to and break it apart and and look yourself in the mirror and, and say, I am, I am, I am, I am. And say it until you feel it in every core of your being, in, in every cell of your structure. I am blessed. I am blessed. And, and don't be distracted by the illusion 
understand the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm. It's more real, more evident, more efficacious, has a greater ability to create and recreate the reality that mirrors your best interest than anything we can envision in this elusive, illusionary, constantly in motion physical reality. So you say, you speak your reality. And so you say, I am blessed. I am blessed. And you say it as many times as you need to say, I am blessed. I am happy. I am healthy. I am wealthy. I am loved. I am loved. And so I also like mantras, affirmations. My God children already knew what was happening. These are affirmations. These are mantras. These are chants. These are things that you say not only to distract you from the the illusion of the issue block or the complication, but these are uh, incantations that send a vibration, a program, if you will, out into the universe that must come back to you, that cannot return void, that must become your reality, that creates and recreates and shapes, indeed, your reality. So I offer you today that I am because my creators are and therefore you are as well. I am because God is. I am because my ancestors made it so. And so it is. (laughs) You know, the Persian sorceress of Greek myth, Medea, understood arcane pharmaca, drugs and poisons and knew how to concoct unquenchable living fire, volatile naphtha from natural petroleum wells in Baku and Azerbaijan. Medea, whose name means to divide, also knew the secrets of rejuvenation and resurrection. And she used magical formulas and quasi-scientific procedures to to um, archive and achieve power over life and death. And so according to myth, Medea first demonstrated her uncanny ability to recapture youth when she appeared as an old woman and suddenly transformed herself into a beautiful young princess. Jason of the Argonauts became her lover and asked Medea to restore the youthful vigor of her aged father, Aison. Medea's treatment recalls 20th century celebrity rumors about miracle youth cures and secret Swiss labs. In the first example of fabled whole body blood replacement, Medea drew out all the blood from the old man's veins and replaced it with the rejuvenative juices of certain plants. And old Aisan's energy returned, and he was glowing with health, and people were amazed when they saw him. And the daughters of Pelias, hoping to rejuvenate their father as well, begged Medea to reveal her procedure. But Pelias was an old enemy of Medea's. The sorceress set her 
special bronze cauldron boiling over a fire, reciting incantations and sprinkling powerful pharmaca, potions, herbs, plants, roots. You get it, poisons. And amid great clouds of smoke, Medea dramatically cut the throat of an old ram and placed it in the big kettle. And abracadabra, a frisky young lamb magically appeared in the pot. And Polias's gullible daughters attempted the same technique with their elderly father with horrible results. The earliest image of Medea in Greek art is on a vase painting of about 630 B.C. As she stirs her cauldron of rejuvenation, a sheep emerges from the pot. A similar scene appears in many other ancient paintings of Medea. And looking at these archaic images today inevitably brings to mind the world's first genetically engineered sheep, Dolly, who emerged from the first successful cloning experiment in 1997. Medea's mythic method for rejuvenating life, creating a younger version of an older creature, anticipates by more than 3,000 years modern advances in cloning stem cells, high-volume blood and non-syngenous um, transfusion, and other scientific techniques for renewing organs and achieving artificial life. We can look at the comedic or ancient Egyptian storytelling of Isis, who, uh, uh, who, who whose magic allowed the cut-up, mutilated body of Osiris to be rejuvenated, brought back together. It said all but the, the phallus, but that's another story for another time. So the idea of the veils being thin between scientific and magic, between spiritual and, and realistic, uh, living life on life's terms. The veils are always and have always been thin. While at the same time, they provide almost like the story of Lancelot, if you're familiar. If you, if you don't have the key, if you don't know the secret, you see an island and, and clouded, you know, by, by, by fog. But Lancelot and, and those who hold the secret know that there's a, a doorway there. There's an interdimensional portal there that, that takes them in, into another space, into another world. It's another way of looking at the function of the third eye. What indeed is the third eye, and, and what's the function of that? And, and, and why doesn't everybody seem to uh, have it naturally, or even if they have it naturally, why doesn't everybody seem to operate in it, know how to utilize it, much like we do our hands, our arms, our legs, our fingers, our, our limbs. But even in the most physical, biological sense, we don't all see the same thing. We don't all see the same color spectrum. We don't all see the same uh, uh, item missing in, in a duplicated photograph of, of the same space. 
you have a photograph of, of a spice cabinet, two photographs of a spice cabinet full of spices, and then two spices are invertedly exchanged, and then one spice is taken out altogether, and you're asked to find the difference. We've all played that game at some point in our in our lives. You're asked to note what's what's not similar. Something is not like the other. And so we don't all see the same things at the same time, at the same spectrum. I can remember being a young child, me and Wapani, growing up in Coal Hills, Maryland, growing up in the PG County, uh, growing up in the DMV. And I mean, being really young. So I, I must have been six. So she would have been three or four. And our ability to do things and access things that, you know, young children, we say, have no knowledge of metaphysics. Young children have no knowledge of, you know, guided meditation. Young children have no idea of, you know, portals and space and time. And and, and I just don't agree. Our children, our babies, our young people, our creative artisans, have the most vivid imaginations, and those imaginations are a thin veil, are indeed the thin veil that allows some to open their third eye and to see in a very different way. And for those whose third eye ain't quite there yet, you know, it's coming in your dreams, and you're seeing things, feeling things, experiencing things that don't always make sense, that don't always together. So the veils have always been thin between our reality and what cultures and peoples over time have called many things, magic, ritual, spiritual space, magical space, the, the dream space. You know, we've called it many things over, over the centuries of uh, a human evolution. Uh, and so the idea that we have the ability to go in and out of time and space, but by way of our own consciousness, by way of our own brains, by way of our own ability to expand our awareness beyond Earth. Sometimes when I say Earth, sometimes when I say grounded, I'm speaking of individuals who can't see the spirit realm. Their third eyes are not operating. They can only count numbers and and dollars and and, and how big is it and how much does it cost and and what name is on it. Sometimes I refer to them as grounded, too grounded, as earth. And then there are those among this audience who are floating in the air, flying in the air, Sometimes so much so that you're disconnected from Earth. You're disconnected from humanity. You're disconnected from adulting (laughs) and doing adult things, you know, that, you know, are necessary to exist successfully in these well-structured societies in which we live in. But you're flying. You're floating. You're drifting away. Sometimes you're in the clouds, you're in the sky, you're in the trees, and sometimes you're in the galaxies 
and you're in the cosmos and you're in outer space and you're flying. And some of you are just living in water and you're just underwater and you can't breathe, you can't move, you can't make a choice, you can't make a decision, you feel encapsulated, feel imprisoned, you feel bound, and you're literally holding your breath for the next moment. You're literally holding your breath for the miracle. You're, you're literally holding your breath for salvation, to, to be rescued, to be lifted up out of the water. And another symbolic reference to water is wisdom. It's knowledge. It's, it's information. And so sometimes your third eye is open and your consciousness is open to a volumes of information that the people around you think is crazy, that the people around you can't connect to, that the people around you aren't ready to see or can't see or don't want to see. And so there's this realm of fire and you're living in constant anger and regret and warriorism and preparation for warriorism and destruction and apocalyptic, you know, events. You're living in tense, tense fire, tense fire. And so your very experience is passed through the prism of this fire and it consumes all. I say, I say every day it consumes all but the truth. But some of you are burning that fire, burning that fire, and you're burning bridges, and you're burning opportunities, and you're burning blessings that you cannot see through the glare of the blazing fire that you cannot see and feel through, through the heat, the heat and intensity of the frontal in which you exist in. And, and, and I say all the time that voodoo is nature. There is no voodoo without nature. There is no ifa without nature. There is no kandable without nature. There is no Apollo without nature. There is no Christianity, Islam, Judaism without nature. For indeed it is nature. We, we start mixing up potions, lotions, setting down protocols, rules. Now you're talking about man. Now you're talking about the structures and, and, and organization of, of man, which is another complex issue until itself. <laughs> because as I began this conversation, indeed, we are born God, just as we are born human. But we are not born ma- masters. We are not born, you know, operating at our full capacity. And so this life is, is a journey. This life is a test. This, this life is a, is a testing ground of our ability to integrate our spirit nature within the, the limitations and confines of earth law and earth reality. Never losing sight of our ability to create and recreate a reality that mirrors our best interests. So the veils have always been thin between biology and chemistry and science and magic. We look back in ancient times, there, there was no veil. 
between philosophy and psychology and spirituality and magic and the ancestors. There was no veil over the understanding that God was a woman, that God was a feminine entity giving birth to our reality. There, there was no veil over that. And at some point, we went past through a portal of time and space where things became very regimented and oppositional to each other. And so psychology and psychiatry and philosophy and religion and spirituality became very compartmentalized, uh, uh, given very dogmatic protocols. And so spirit became bastardized. Magic became bastardized. Women's intuition became wise tales, which was a way of bastardizing the power of, of women. And so we can choose to continue to follow the program, and, and many of our, many of you are. There are many lemmings among us in the audience, and lemmings are welcome. Lemmings are welcome, as long as lemmings hear and, and digest and transform. Lemmings are welcome, but there are many lemmings among us, those who following the, the crowd, the group, and when one, one jumps, all will jump. When one says how high, all will reach for the sky. But then there are those among us who know that they're having a very different experience to what is being voiced and demonstrated around them. I like that word, amnesia. Amnesia. I like that. God's with amnesia. Alicia Rufus says, I am wholeness. I am wholeness. I am wholeness. I, I like that. <laughs> I like that. J.P. Terrell, welcome, beloved. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we certainly do appreciate you and yours. I would love to have you guest host one day, beloved. I certainly would. We, we can both, you know, turn on our webcams and, and just bring it. Um, he says it's interesting that Medea came from, uh, how do you pronounce that, Caucus? Caucus was a comedic colony. The original Caucians were black, and she was a descendant of Heliop, a.k.a. Ra. Yeah, we must certainly have you on, beloved, as co-host, most certainly. But I like her story. Uh, and, and that's why I also went to the story of Isis and uh, Osiris and Osiris' body being chopped up by Seth and spread all over the all, all over the world. And Isis collecting those pieces, you know, with the help of Nephthys and using her magical power, her Iyami, uh to you know, regenerate Osiris's body, his form. Uh, and again, it, it speaks to the earliest ancestral memory of magic, ritual, witchcraft, if you will, and science, astronomy, uh, 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 astrology, numerology, counting, having no veils. And, and us now living and existing in a, in a world that's white and black, left or right, 
blue or red, hot or cold, you're either with me or you're not. And it has limited our ability to see that as gods, as co-creators in the universe, our ability to create and recreate a reality that mirrors our best interest. We don't have to go along with the narrative. We don't have to go along with the story. Um, and please, you know, I know some of you are, are just not trying to deal <laughs> right now uh, with the politics. It's um, hard for me not to. Uh, being a person of a certain age, uh, I was born in the late 60s. I grew up in the in the 70s. And so the Supreme Court confirms this leaked opinion, but says the draft is not a final decision. Now, now on the face of that, that's true. And often over the years, the opinions in these drafts has shifted, has changed, has been rewritten before the presentation of the final decision. The draft opinion, which is not expected to be finalized for another month or more, could change, would leave it to individual states to determine abortion's legality. And Democrats are vowing to fight to protect abortion rights, while Republicans are condemning the leak, (laughs) which is an interesting story within itself. Someone clearly made the leak, Republican or Democrat, with the effect of getting the response from the masses as what we saw demonstrated last night. The leak of the draft of the Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe versus Wade signaled a seismic shift in American politics and law pretending sweeping change for women in much of the country and upending the legislative and campaign landscape at every level of government just six months before midterm elections. The the distraction. This major shift is happening to distract us from what? In, In the middle of this Ukrainian, Russian, you know, preeminent third world war. This is like a virtual world world war right now. Oh, yes, we have to present the image that we're not too involved, yet we know we're deeply involved. You know, we, we can't get boots on the ground, but we know we're spending all kind of resources. You know, so so it's a, it's a look. It's an illusion, if you will. And my regular listeners understand that we live in at least 11 dimensional spaces at once, at least 11, so that pretends more. And so certainly in some realm of reality in another dimensional space, we're actively in the Third World War. And the morning after the disclosure of this opinion, protesters gathered outside of Supreme Court today (laughs) and could be heard across the street as members of Congress entered the Capitol. And at the White House, President Biden called on voters to elect more abortion rights supporters, abortion rights supporters to Congress, so that the lawmakers can codify the principles of Roe into federal law, even if the justices reverse the decision. And I pretend that 
women have always been in control of their own bodies. Always. Always. Since, since the beginnings of time. Always. So any attempt to curtail that, block that, bind that, legislate that, it's just more political foolishness and buffoonery um, and spiritual warfare. Because we know from past, and, and, and I won't get too graphic here on the show. I don't want to trigger people. But, but some of the younger listeners, you need to understand. I, I need you to do, do your Google Bing research today. I need you to go back and understand what the environment looked like before Roe versus Wade, what women were faced with, what options were available. And, and, and don't forget to, to look at those who are privileged, those who have resources, those who have access, and what they had to do before Roe versus Wade. And then I want you to look at people of color. I want you to look at less enfranchised communities and what they were forced to do under those similar circumstances. So I won't enumerate it here. Just do your research. Some of us born of a certain generation, we know exactly what I'm talking about. So women have always been in control of their bodies. Do we make that safe? Do we make that available in a way that they don't have to feel threatened, that they don't have to be, you know, carted away in secrecy to another state, albeit to another country, to have control over their own health, their own body, their own lives? And I saw, um, wow, what did I do with that tweet? Um, I love Dr. Rashad Ritchie. If y'all not hip to Rashad Ritchie, y'all better get with the program. <laughs> okay. Uh, he says, since the Supreme Court wants to take away a woman's right to choose, child support should start at conception. A child is nine months old at birth. Mandate life insurance companies to insure fetuses and stop deporting pregnant undocumented women. They are now carrying American citizens. And that is a quote from Dr. Rashad Ritchie, probably about two hours ago. Uh, he tweeted that. And so, you know, I've often said, I've always said, not my business. I'm not a cisgendered woman, not a woman, not a female not my business, never has been my business, and that has been my position. I have consciously avoided arguments, debates, back and forth, uh, even in the most positive environments. I don't seek to inform women about women's things, women's issues. I know how to refer. I got a, a, a team, a family of, of elders, of women, and qualified women, CNs, uh, RNAs, CNAs, you know, a medically educated, culturally educated, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, team of women 
And so in many cases, when a female client needs particular services provided, cleansing rituals, a spiritual baths, I, I will call in the women to assist me, if not perform those ceremonies. So over the years, I've taken, you know, the position that it's not my business. When it's made so political, when it's now with the aid of social media, it's just in your face. It's just everywhere. Uh, everybody's got an opinion. Um, everyone's got an amen corner. Um, it, so it's just hard not to bond. And, and as I suggested, you know, I put it in context with why now at this moment in time space, you know, a- after a pandemic, yeah, I said after a pandemic, we had four years of a pandemic, and then we got COVID. And so now after COVID and or in the middle of COVID um, and, and virtual World War III, this, this. And I'm going to tell you, the, the, the women of 2022, whatever the generation, whatever the age, they're not lying down for this. They're not going to just accept this. And, and as I opened up this thought, women never have, never have. Women have always had control over their bodies. Now, whether it was legal or not, whether it was your business or not, it was another discussion. But women have always had control over their bodies, always will. Women have had control of all of our bodies. <laughs> Since the beginning of creation, they've had control of all of our bodies including their own. They've nurtured and fed our bodies so that we could have life and in many cases continue to nurture many of our minds, bodies, and spirits well into 50 and 60 years old. God bless the, the, the mothers, the living mothers, you know, among us. I'm, I'm grateful, grateful to have almost an 80-year-old mother who, who's not now, who's not suffering Alzheimer's, who's healthy for the most part, who's able to drive and get around and, and handle her business, you know, independently, you know, eternally grateful. But, but the idea that I would interfere, prevent, block, legalize, for God's sake, you know, what my mother chooses to do, what my sister Wapani chooses to do, what Shemafia or Alexis or Esmarie chooses to do, it's not my business. It's not my business. And so, you know, as spiritual warriors, there are prayer warriors in this room, there's ritual warriors in this room, there's witches in this room, (laughs) there's dark practitioners in this room. Everyone has to address life on life's terms from where you are, from where you are. And so understand that we all have power. We all have power. I've said over the, of the, over the years of doing this podcast, the, the Internet and our devices even the playing field to some degree. And that's why there's so much shenanigans and trickery and nonsense going on with that. You know, the impersonating, the hacking, you know, people wanting to steal your identity, you know, because this is the one lane, if you will, that evens the playing field, no matter where you are in the globe. 
you can tap into it, you can access it, you can translate it, you can hear it, you can play a role, you can have a voice. So as I offered yesterday, be careful about what what we're saying, what you're posting every day. You are influencing. Oh, I can't tell you how amazed I am every day at who approaches me from what walk of life, from what corner of the globe to tell me that they, you know, been listening to the show for years. They've been participating for years. They've been watching our footprint, you know, for years. It's, it's, it happened this morning at Treme Coffee Shop, for God's sake. You know, and the owner's wife was like, oh, my nephew was here, and uh, he was just, just so excited about this voodoo guy, and he was talking about this voodoo guy, and he watched this series on the Travel Channel about this voodoo guy. And she said it finally registered with her who she was, who he was talking about. Oh, you mean Divine Prince? And he asked if he knew her, and she said he just could have fainted. You know, 15-year-old white kid, um, just, you know, we judge people on face value. So just based on the parents, you just wouldn't in any, any way in your mind think that they or their family is listening to us right now, is watching us right now, is enjoying us right now, and is entertained by what we share in this space right now, 15 years old. So be careful about your footprint. Be careful about what you're saying. Be careful about what you're posting. I don't know about you, J.P. Terrell, but I've seen a, a shift in Twitter I won't speak for all the platforms, but certainly in Twitter, uh, in the last, I don't know, 90 days, you know, away from people just over-posting their personal stuff, you know, and so some people have slowed down on the posting, others have sort of shifted, you know, to other topics, which is great, you know, excellent, but, you know, people are beginning to figure out what we've been saying, my God, but... 25 years, this stuff is forever. Your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, your MySpace, my MySpace is still active, even though I don't never post to it. Uh, it's forever. And somebody's got it downloaded somewhere. Somebody's got it in the can somewhere. And, and certainly your descendants and the descendants of your descendants will have access to your thoughts, your feelings, your postings, so be careful about your virtual footprint, and, and that should mirror your uh, real-world footprint, your sense of integrity and demonstration, how you show up every day, whatever your religion is, whatever your spiritual calling is, what is the, the indeed the authentic message of your demonstration, and, and are you living up to your words? Are you living up to your post? Are you living up to that image that you would have people to accept and and receive of you? I, I believe as science and technology continues to move forward, the veils will thin again between science and spirit, science and spirituality, uh, certainly science and magic. 
But in the meantime, those of us who know better do better. In the meantime, we give great honor and acknowledgement to the shoulders upon which we stand. Ancestors who gave blood, sweat, and tears so that we could be present in this moment in time space, this particular moment in time space. Because the future and the past don't exist until this moment in time space, until the only moment that we have, which is the right now. And so the ancestors have given blood, sweat, and tears, have prepared a way so that this generation, no matter what your age is, under the sound of my voice, so that this generation could make major changes for the future, not just for us and, and our sense of survival and our sense of comfort and peace and health and wellness right now in, in this most present moment in time space, but certainly for the future. I've said before, we have a unique opportunity, unlike none that's ever existed before, to leave a record of who we are, our lives, in digital content for those who follow us to pick up. And so the idea of, you know, my family whispered and shoo-shooed about root work and conjure and, you know, but they didn't teach us nothing. These, the present generations and generations coming will not have that to say. And they're either going to say, you know, my family chose, you know, the left or the right. And they're going to have the opportunity to choose what they so will. And so we have the opportunity to lay a foundation for conjure, root work, magic, witchcraft, ATR, indigenous, aboriginal, spiritual practices and traditions to continue to be legitimized and not bastardized and not appropriated. And, and, and not commercialized in a way that's not beneficial to the communities for which these practices come from, for which these practices are born into, for which these practices are often kept and protected and kept alive within. I like the idea of the Mbuti, you know, one ethnic group that we used to call pygmy in southern Africa. Uh, and their ability to light a fire and keep an ember lit sometimes for years. And we're talking about people who are on the go, who are on the move, who have historically been nomadic, who certainly are being sort of limited to some degree through modernization in, in Central Africa or South and Central Africa, but are, are nomadic people who pick up all their belongings, all their things, including their fire, and transport it to the next location. And the idea that they can keep that ember lit through rainstorms, through, you know, all sorts of activity, um, keep it going, keep it burnt. It's very um, humanized from a spiritual perspective. 
it, it speaks to the ingenuity and the creativity and the power that we have as these clay humanoid vessels, you know, as the mammals of Earth that indeed we are, and certainly as our uh, hominid ancestors demonstrated, um, particularly Neanderthal man with fire and stone tools and, you know, we certainly are phenomenal species, but when we unlock the magic that's in our consciousness, that's in our spirit, when indeed our third eyes are open and we can see beyond the veils, and not just see, but then bring that into this reality for others to experience. And often we do that through art, through the written word, through the lyrics and the harmony and, and rhyme and rhythm of the music, through designing, creating, crafting, fashion, architecture. We, we, we demonstrate that through everyday life. We demonstrate that through our reality, living life on life's terms, and then bringing that which you have to the forefront of your existence bring that which you have to the forefront of any given moment of our waking reality, being authentic and true, 100%, as, as the kids say, kissing it 100 in any given moment. And so there's no, you know, oh, he pushed a button and I lost it. You know, there's no, oh, I got emotional, and, you know, and, and something else came out. no. That something else is who we are. That other part is who we are. We are multifaceted. We are many people. And certainly we have shadow. We all have shadow. (laughs) And shadow work that must be addressed, that must be healed, that must be attended to, that light should be shone upon. So in, you know, there's that, again, that physical reality, that earth, what we do, how many times a day do we pray, do we kneel, do we bow, do we go before the altar, do we go before the shrine, is the shrine clean, do we feed the shrine, do, do we do magic, do we do ritual, do we do potion, what what goes in that pot, you know, what's the, the uh, calendar arrangement today for the astrological weather, you know, physical things. And then in the realm of water, there's emotion. There's running hot. There's running cold. You know, there's being in your feelings. There's being triggered, you know, whether it's by politics, whether it's by, you know, the antics of friends, family, you know, coworkers. You know, that's the realm of water. Being influenced by information, what we know. Uh, sometimes feeling, you know, the glass half full, sometimes filling the the glass half empty. Imagery, symbolism of of water. And of course those fire people, it's all fire burn, it's all Babylon, it's all going to hell, it's all a precursor to, you know, the next world war or or, or the end of days. You know, um, there's no reason to smile. Uh, there's no reason to be happy. There's no reason to, you know, to enjoy the moment. Uh, 
burn everything and, and, and what survives, you know, I'll, I'll focus on that. You know, that that's living in the fire. And, again, those air spirits whose feet never touch the ground, who, who are dreaming, who are in, in imagery, who are living a creative, imaginary existence, who are in the clouds, who are in the cosmos, who are traveling through the universe, who who are who are living in the past, who are living in the future, who are reenacting what happened and how it happened, and 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 that's the reason why I can't move forward and and then reliving it again. That that those those people who are in the air, and, and I'm using a lot of symbolism and, and, and imagery right now intentionally. I'm doing something. I'm performing a bit of a surgery right now on <laughs> some of our listening audience. And, and, and cognitively, they, they may not get it, but spiritually, it, it's happening. It, it's happening right now. And so like the tree that roots itself in earth and, and drops roots and builds a foundation and plants itself for some sense of uh, uh, seasonal permanency in, in this particular location of the world, uh, and then absorbs its nutrients, not just from the ground, but then from the air, then from the water, then from the heat and the fire, of the sun. And and the only thing that modern science, modern minds would say it lacks is consciousness. Within the realms of voodoo, of course, and animism, all things have consciousness. All things have consciousness. And we see the trees reach for the sun. I've never seen that no more dramatically than in Los Angeles. Because in other parts of the country, you know, where I've lived, you know, the Midwest, Chicago, St. Louis, the DMV, the East Coast, Atlanta, the South, you know, Florida, you know, there's this uh, seasonal thing that happens. And your trees reach for the sun, but then there's a balancing that happens with the periods where there is no sun or it's diffused sun. Uh, and, of course, fall, winter, and, and, and the effects of that regionally. So I saw it most dramatically in probably southern Florida and southern California, how the palm trees reach for the sun. And, and sometimes they bend, they curve, they turn. And so we reach for the sun while being affected by, by the glancing light of the moon that, that reflects that light back at us as, as moon imagery. We're affected by the motion, and all things are in motion. And another you know, great mantra that I, I've been using here lately is, a body in motion stays in motion. A body at rest stays at rest. <laughs> okay. And for those of you of a certain age, uh, and, and you still might be 20-something, I'm, I'm telling you, move your body. Move it around. 
it's not just the power of our minds and it's not just the power of our thumbs and our fingers. You know, we've we got to keep our bodies in motion, the, the, the vessel in which this God inhabiting this earth-like experience exists in. So, so a body in motion stays in motion, a body at rest stays at rest. And I'm feeling super healthy, super good here of late. Because if I'm trying to make up for lost time and I'm doing a little of this and doing a little of that and organizing ritual and, and ceremony and, and certainly having more people into the house, physically into the house. Now, now I ain't no fool. I ain't nobody's fool. Uh, I'm masked up. I'm still making sure that, you know, people who are coming in, you know, handling their business. And certainly if you are not boosted and vaccinated and all that kind of stuff, you, you might have to wear three or four masks to get in the house with me. But I'm certainly moving around again. I'm you know, operating in the illusion of post-pandemic. <laughs> you know, because there's no such thing. It's an illusion. But but we operating as if things are, okay, I, I'm adjusting to the new normal. Because there's no going back to uh, adjusting to the, new, to the new normal. And so, again, those veils are very thin between the science and the, and the medicine and the math and the spirit and how we live and how we face challenges, and how we face people, and how we face crossroads each and every day. So listen, I'm grateful, always grateful for your time, your love, your support, your listenership, your donations. I'm certainly grateful for my godchildren and, and, and my family and my inner circle who, who keep things moving forward who are certainly committed to the ancestors, to keeping the fire and the spirit and the energy of ATR alive, even while living life on life's terms, even while confronting the realities of of what we live with today in a modern fight. I'm certainly grateful for you. I won't keep too much of your time. I look forward to sharing and being here with you again in this space at high noon, U.S. Central Standard Time, for the next revolutionary voodoo, New Orleans voodoo secrets and recipes. Respect the voodoo, no matter what you do, respect the voodoo. All is truly and indeed a blessing. I'm grateful for you. Until next time, I share. Thank you for your time, your love, your support your donations, your offerings. Peace and love. Thank you, Blog Talk Radio. I am grateful for you and your attendance and your consistent support of the show. And I look forward to meeting you here again at high noon, U.S. Central Standard Time, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. All is truly and indeed a blessing.
Come on, come on, Ben E. Hunter, Gregory Man. Gregory Man, I'm trying to open up Gregory Man. I'm having a bit of a moment, y'all. My uh, switchboard is frozen. But I'll be able to fix it. Uh, just give me a second. I just don't like dead air and dead space when I'm on air. You know, I can access everything <laughs> right now on this switchboard except Gregory Man. Come on now. Let's try something else here. See if I can rectify this problem. Oh my goodness. Stuff happens when you're live now, y'all. Stuff happens when you're live. When you're live and don't have a crew to help back you up in the technological arena, I might have to end the show without my theme music, y'all. Because right now, Dash of cayenne to the room. Gonna put on my Greek grease suit. Boil a gumbo hot and steady. Don't care if Freddy ready. Gonna free at that old cemetery. Down on Claiborne where she's buried. Build a fire on the bayou When a black cat scratch at two Under a full moon that's blue Chant the magic words, Kufaru A dash of cayenne to the rule Gonna put on my Greek grease suit Black top hat, black suit too, single rod that Moses through. I'm gonna get them bones out the graveyard for you. Can't see my eyes, black shades too. A dash of cayenne to the roof, gonna put on my green grease suit. Black top hat, black suit too, same old ride that Moses threw. 
I'm gonna get them bones out the graveyard for you Can't see my eyes, black shades too Going free at the old cemetery Down on Claiborne where she's buried A dash of cayenne to the roof Gonna put on my Greek grease Black top hat, black suit too. Same old ride that Moses threw. I'm gonna get them balls out the graveyard for you. Can't see my eyes, black sheets too. Gonna pray at that old cemetery. Down on Claiborne where she's buried. A dash of cayenne to the room Gonna put on my Greek, Greek suit 